Last time on Late Night Cage Fight. After Season 1 winner Birdie left the cage fighters bewildered, Season 2 snuck up on them like a deadly bird flu virus that isn't real, or is it? Season 2 opened with a fierce win from fan favorite Raising Arizona. Over time traveling trash fire, Peggy Sue got married. After that, Vampire's Kiss struck a sure win against Moonstruck, because there's only one thing scarier than vampires and share, Italians. Later, Wild at Heart would send Time to Kill right back to Ethiopia, because there's only one thing scarier than a David Lynch movie with mommy issues, Italians. Zandali beat Firebirds because we had to pick a movie. Finally, racially sensitive comedy Amos and Andrew took home the golden honey against Honeymoon in Vegas. And our cage lord tonight is Zach Walsh from A Cry for Help podcast, an experimental comedy project in which two best friends explore the world through the lens of their mental illness. Find A Cry for Help podcast on Spotify and Spreaker.com. And now, introducing our cage fighters. Cage fighter Reese will represent Wild at Heart. Cage Fighter Steve will represent Amos and Andrew. Cage Fighter Sean will represent Vampire's Kiss. Cage Fighter Matt will represent Raising Arizona. And we brought back Cage Fighter Kevin from the Dead to represent Zandalee. Only one winner can enter our B Cage of Fame. Who shall inherit the glory? Let the cage fight begin. Oh, I'm so glad that you're joining us again, Kevin. It's been so long since uh, we've heard your beautiful voice, and I'm super pumped to hear um, how you're going to defend this excellent Nicolas Cage film tonight, Zandalee. You've missed I'm, so much. I'm so happy to be here uh, in the basement watching you guys with yeah. me. Yeah, this is neat. Looks like a beautiful basement. Um, yeah, it's real colorful. <laughs> yeah. Is is that a, a couch? Perhaps? It is. It's part of a sectional. Impressive. The sexy wow. part. Ha ha ha. Did uh did you have a did you have a group of guys carry that into the house with you? I carried it with a guy. Pretty buff. Surprising. Wow. 
It looks really heavy. Yeah, I'm really strong. On. I'm really strong. Always been a strong boy. Always been a real strong boy. Yeah, I. I you, you'd be really surprised. I am. I'm yeah. really, really strong. Like a horse. <laughs> I was pretty surprised. I think we've wrestled before. <laughs> With a horse? No, no. I mean, me and Kevin. I've seen that happen. That's a good time. I'd wrestle. Yeah. Good show. Go ahead. Um, introduce all of your movies and stuff like that. I want to make sure I got a real good feel for them. Were you fine, uh, Cage Lord Zach? Were you fine with my intro? Oh, most certainly. You you do have the ability to do punishments if if you want to punish Reese for for his intro. Or just understood. I'll keep that in my back pocket. Yeah, thanks, Sean. For that. <laughs> Run some laps, or yeah. Mm -hmm. Matt, did you want to go next? Yeah, sure. All right, so let's hear uh, it. it's me, uh, Matt. Um, here representing Raising Arizona. Fine film. Uh, a super decent film. A really, a really well done film. The Coen brothers. They know how to use people, and this is one of those rare gems where you get to see Nicolas Cage accidentally be very good at acting. You don't get to see it a lot. And it's probably the first time that it ever happened. So... <laughs> This film is a treasure just based on that. And honestly, I'm really not that worried about my competition this evening. Uh, we've, we've got some, you know, we've got some bangers out there. We've got some real good shit watchers. Uh, we got some swing and a misses out there. Um, but I, I do wish everybody good luck. Um, Godspeed to you and uh, go fuck yourselves. words i'll allow it thank you and and may it please the court <laughs> all right who's up next kevin needs so. to be last <laughs> it's time to prepare <laughs> forgive me for interrupting so i'm uh i'm cage fighter sean and i am uh representing vampire's kiss the prop work Would, that get points for that. Thank you. With it being uh, Halloween season, I, I think uh, this is probably the most fitting movie within this batch. Um, I mean, wh what can you really say about Vampire's Kiss? It's responsible for some of the most iconic Cage moments in the entire Cageverse. I really strongly think that I can convince you that Vampire's Kiss should be the one film here allowed into the Cage Hall of Fame. Understood. Thank you for your time. So I'm I'm representing uh, Amos and Andrew. Um, you know, it's a, a, a fantastic movie um, that's honestly better than all the rest of them. And uh, what makes it better is that you don't even know it. And uh, you've heard of most of the rest of these movies. And so it's old news. But Amos and Andrew is a breath of fresh air um, that's just as relevant now as it was then. Now, what year What year was that? These were all uh, early 1980s. Um, early 80s, okay. Yeah, all of, all of these films. 
Um, but Amos and Andrew tops the charts as being the most innovative and uh, the most effective to its audience. Respect. So, bridging both history, present time at that time, and future of our current time. <laughs> Bold claims. <laughs> Yikes. It's a movie that transcends time. Yeah. <laughs> even more than the land before time. Which is even funnier when you know what I'm that watching. movie's about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kevin, I'm I am so happy you're here. Man, I hope too. everything's good with you. You look so beautiful. You do. Did you get a haircut or? Yeah, I get a couple a year. That's good. That's good. You probably did need you? one of those. I did not actually. I've been trying to grow it out. <laughs> I thought. I think it looks nice. Whatever you're doing. Yeah, I tried combing it. <laughs> Did, uh, did you like the film that you watched today, Kevin? Zandalee? Yeah. I, I, yes, I did very much. Yeah. I, uh... Cool. Great intro. I... Off to a great start. <laughs> <laughs> I, I needed a good uh, porn, and and uh, that was just what I needed. So oh, it'd been a, been a while, so. Yeah, it was great. It was a great surprise. I'm I'm glad you uh, had me in, in mind when you were thinking of yeah. something for me to watch. Of course. Now, I I'm going to be honest. Be the one. I'm sorry. Uh, I have not seen any of the films that you're representing. Oh, I have Raising really? Arizona on DVD. I have not gotten around to watching it. So uh, this is this is really great. this is going to determine what I'll watch next. You know. Yeah, so I'm really, yeah. I'm just going to have to take your word on it for a lot of these. Good. That's exciting. Yeah. So we've done our introductions. We know who is representing which film. And uh, I say now we move on to our opening statements, which is going to be up to you, Cage Lord Zach, to choose who will make their opening statement when. And this is going to be kind of a longer piece. Um, more time will be allotted for the cage fighter to speak. So I will let you have it. Understood. I'm going to go ahead and say, uh, who, who, whose birthday are we the closest to among all of you? Well, I'm before Reese. I'm February. <laughs> I'm October 5th. October. All right, great. So you go ahead. You start. <laughs> Happy birthday. Thank you. So it's often said that there's a thin line between comedy and tragedy. Nowhere is this more true than with Vampire's Kiss. While we do love and worship Cage, it's safe to say that we poke fun at him quite a bit on this podcast. There's an inherent ironic enjoyment to many of Cage's performance, and there's nowhere truer than in this film. As a black comedy, Vampire's Kiss tackles a lot of dark subject matter, such as mental illness, wage disparity, sexual assault, violence, 
due to Cage's bombastic performance, this is truly one of his best performances, I would add. But it lets us look at these dark topics with a bit of a lighter tone. While you may have not seen the film, if you frequent the web, you've definitely seen some of Cage's moments because they've surfaced as memes and other viral images across the net. Uh, this movie definitely is one of Cage's most outrageous and iconic performances and has some of his, I would argue, best Cage outs. Uh, you know, whether it's Nick constantly abusing his assistant Alva with verbal insults, uh, going to the store to buy vampire teeth to end up walking away with a cheap plastic pair like you'd find at a Halloween store, uh, or turning his couch in his apartment upside down to be used as a coffin. This movie is just ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, Cage, he, there's a scene where he runs down the street yelling, I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire! He randomly yells the entire alphabet in one of his cage outs. There's a bat in his apartment at one point, and he just goes, shoot, shoot, shoot. And there's also his his iconic, am I getting through to you, Elva? This movie's just quotable as hell. And you know, uh, beyond the wild performance, there's also fascinating trivia in the movie. Like, the fact that there were real, real-life homeless people that appear in the movie without their consent. Just walking down, walking down the street, just filming homeless people and Cage walking around all bloody-looking crazy. I've already said that this is the perfect movie for the Halloween season, and I honestly, I just think it makes sense for it to win since we're doing this in October. But at the end of the day, there's a thin line between comedy and drama. This really exemplifies Cage himself as a person. He's done a lot of great roles, and he's been in a lot of famous movies, but he's faced a lot of hardship in his life. He's gone broke, the IRS has come after him, he's bought a lot of ridiculous stuff just to, you know, make it so they the government couldn't come after him. His career's been in the toilet, but he came back. He started doing great movies like Mandy and Color Out of Space and the upcoming Jiu-Jitsu. Cage falls and rises like the Phoenix. A dark and you feel comedy. this movie represents that. I do. Fair. A dark comedy, just like Cage's life. Just like Vampire's Kiss. Okay, okay. Respect. Thank you. He is getting a lot of time. I just want to put that out there. Yeah, that was a Is that, was a, should that I have been timing this? Thing. No, it's fine. It's fine. I'll, we'll let it go. Okay. But, uh, I'm sorry, I, just I didn't realize like, there were time constraints on opening statements. Well, we, we want to try to keep it to three to five minutes. It's just more the fact that uh, Cage Fighter Sean seemed to be um, performing very well, and I didn't like that. <laughs> oh! 
ah, I understand. And I, I respect the competitive spirit that you bring to this. Why don't you go next? Thank you. <laughs> Excellent. So, as you know, I'm representing Wild at Heart. It's a 1990 film, and it's unquestionably the best of all of these films. First off, this it's one of Cage's first roles of the 90s, and it's the role that Nicolas Cage himself says steered him away from method acting. It's a classic David Lynch masterpiece with heavy metal music, graphic violence. Cage being Cage, he gets to be himself in this, I think even more than Vampire's Kiss, but forgive me for um, straying. Um, there's bizarre flashbacks, all of your typical David Lynch stuff in it. There's weird Wizard of Oz shit. Willem Dafoe is in this movie, and he, spoilers, he blows his own head off with a shotgun. It's amazing. Something I didn't know, and I just learned recently, Wild at Heart actually won the Palme d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival. Ooh. So there's <clears throat> high praise there. Christ Diane Ladd. Diane Ladd won an Oscar for her role. Um, Nick Cage does his own singing in this movie. Of course, Is it he's a musical? To... It's not a musical, but there are some uh, musical elements. Okay. Yeah. Um, after filming, Cage, who wears a badass jacket, it's actually a snakeskin jacket, he gave it to Laura Dern, his co-star. And the moment Laura, Laura Dern, Dern, the moment she puts that up on eBay, man, I'm grabbing it. It's going to be mine. Wild at Heart is weird, it's funny, it's sad, it's scary, it's all of these things exactly when it needs to be in the movie, and it, uh, like I said, undoubtedly should be our winner. There's a whole lot more I should say, but I'm trying to save some of uh, my other arguments for when I get attacked by the other... Respect, um, respect. ...the other beasts here. Hey, Groovy, uh, who should go next? So what truly makes yes. a great film? Is it the oh, action? Okay. The adventure, the exploitation of women and minorities. Throughout the Cageology, we've had reviewed so far both on screen and off screen, Cage has repeatedly subjugated women and oppressed minorities. In the first movie we've seen so far, we finally witnessed his side of Cage we've yet to see compassion for someone other than himself. Yes, throughout. Are you seriously going. With this argument, <laughs> let, let him let him let him hang himself. Though Cage acted throughout the movie mostly on his own self-interest, he could have taken a much easier way out. Well, this movie was backdropped in a comical atmosphere. The topics that it covered are still very relevant today, and specifically this year. The marches of the Black Liberation Army mirror those of modern-day Black Lives Matter movements. And the interesting diversion that the Black Lives Matter movements also includes this non-white following as well. Cage also portrays a character in this movie that I would call a hero in villain's clothing. This differs from movies like Time to Kill, where he was very much the opposite. Or movies like Valley Girl, where he was clearly just the villain. Cage was brought in to do a dirty deed to rid this community of a black scourge that had invested it and instead decided to help him. The sporting class in this movie was also fantastic at their roles. Donnie was a personal favorite of mine, amplifying the essence of small community ignorance, while characters like the white power couple displayed their blind, 
blind, arrogant ignorance that's still displayed in many upper-class suburban communities. And the role of Samuel in this movie was beyond superb. The only Samuel movie I've seen where he wasn't his typical cynical and bitter character. However, you could see some of its development throughout this film. And on the tam topic of Samuel Jackson, prior to this movie, he didn't have a lot of starring roles or even larger roles in movies, but shortly after this film, starred in Pulp Fiction. I'm not gonna say this movie is the sole reason, but if you were a fan of Pulp Fiction, it might not have happened without Amos and Andrew. I'll end my argument with this. I don't know that this movie can truly win the heart of Cage fans across the land as the greatest Cage movie of all time, but I can say it as a movie that holds relevance today and should be defined, definitely included in the movies that Cage, of Cage that are worth watching. After all, it's not Cotton Club. <laughs> well, that was a very interesting thing to choose to say. Um... <laughs> Who, who, who wants, wants to follow, to follow, that, follow up? that up? <laughs> Your Honor, <clears throat> if I may, um, and I'll keep this brief uh, and vague as you have not seen the films, and I don't wish to waste your time as I have Thank you. my fellow cohorts this evening so far. First, let me begin by asking a simple question. Why do we watch movies? What's it for? Well, we want to be entertained, do we not? Do we not want to dive into the mind of another? Well, my movie is the only safe option for that in this mm. crowd. For you to truly delve into the character and understand them as a person. There are several characters like that in this film. People are people. Not everybody is just a cardboard cutout of a character. And also this movie is done by the Coen brothers, two of America's treasured storytellers. Two men who, yeah. Two men who know how to use people how to take people's actual characteristics and meld them into the character as opposed to forcing people into characters. And also, that's it. Okay. I'm All right. Leave it right there. Okay. Okay. I appreciate the brevity. Now, uh, would you like to, to finish us off? Kevin? Yeah, absolutely. Um,. So I guess I watched Zondali, and um, I'm sorry. You you guess you watched it? I I watched it, and um, I will say uh, from the get go, I, it was uh, right into the when I, when I I first saw right away that this was going to be uh, rated R and it was going to be strong nudity sexual content all that stuff so i thought okay well typical nick cage so from the beginning um started out pretty good pretty good like i said before it was kind of like a porn but you know like a good soft porn i, w I was into it at first and then probably about two way two thirds of the way through the movie uh it kind of took a turn and um it kind of had a little bit of everything in it and uh there were some parts that were a little bit 
that disgusted me a little bit. Uh, um, but at the same time, you know, it just had me on the edge of my seat. It, it was able to control my emotion in that way. I mean, I got to see, um, which unfortunately was, was rape, which definitely got my emotions going. I, I, uh, then later, uh, I, I saw some suffering, uh, in a way of, of how emotions can be tortured by actions. And then, uh, later, um, in a roundabout way, a homicide. So there was a lot of ways that this uh, was really entertaining and uh, <laughs> went from one way to the other. I mean, it, it started out good. I, I, I kind of, I guess, um, in my opinion, uh, sometimes it's a little bit better to end that way, but we can't control the ending. And uh, it just sort of... Uh, had that order and so here i am a little hyped up because i watched it but i feel very uh deep because of it and ready for the fight so yeah that's all i have to say about that what an exceptionally vague thing to say um <laughs> great so we've got uh assaults and racism this is going to be a real fun conversation from the two of you guys um Yes. <laughs> cool. So now is the time where each cage fighter takes the stand. And uh, what we will do is we each will have to defend our movie against attacks from others through questioning. Now, so, am I allowed to question as well? Absolutely. At I any time. To okay. any direction. Then let's go in the, in the order that we uh, introduced ourselves in. Okay. So that so means Vampire's Sean. Kiss being up first. Now, I'm going to be honest. Uh, you completely had me until the abuse of homeless people tidbit. That was a weird uh, left turn to kind of to kind of throw at me. Um, like, I was like, oh, this sounds really cool. And then you're like, also, and they just messed with some actual homeless people. And I was like, hey, yikes. So, um, so yeah, what say you? Uh, try to Try to win me back on your side a bit here. I wouldn't go as far as saying that they that they messed with homeless people. There's a scene towards the end of the movie uh, where Cage is, after committing a, a homicide, he's walking down the street uh, all bloody and disheveled and uh, is kind of just rambling to himself like a crazy person and... and walks by a couple people and they just so happen to be real-life homeless people. So really, they were just passerbys. Objection. Okay. Oh, please. Um, I feel like you're leaving out some of the details here. He jumped at them. He tried to jump the homeless people um, and they were scared uh, oh, for their lives. Your Honor, that if is... I may, uh, if I may add, Your Honor, uh, of course. They, were, they were exploited. Yes. They were not paid. No. They were not compensated. This, no, this is yeah. This is unavoidable. This, this, this is, is yes. Technically criminal. That's a misdemeanor, if I, if I might add, Your Honor. That's all. <laughs> well, I I just like to add that, uh, you know, in in film in cinema, uh, on the Internet Movie Database, uh, there are often many unaccredited roles within films, uh, many unpaid. Um, and, you know, Cage himself 
has a few uncredited roles himself at, that we haven't covered, but uncredited nonetheless. And I, I, I think this just shows what a down-to-earth uh, and pious individual that Cage him, himself is. Uh, Sean, I'm, I'm having a hard time understanding you. Can you put your teeth back in? <laughs> Please. <laughs> Thanks. You're winning me Thanks. back with the teeth, to be honest. Better, oh, better. They really helped you enunciate. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Cage Lord Zach, may I pose a question? Of course. To a, you mentioned in your opening statement that Vampire's Kiss kind of balances two different tones. We like it in an ironic way because of how bad it is, but it seemed like you were also trying to make this argument that it's somehow it, it's somehow Cage acting well. And that's what I want to hone in on. Do you believe that there is good acting specifically from Cage in Vampire's Kiss, or is it all just something that we can laugh at? Because if so, then this is just a, a silly movie. Why, why should this goofy movie with a bunch of memes be the winner of the season? I would say that Cage himself is at his best when he's portraying some sort of mental illness or mental instability. I would actually say that I think his acting is pretty decent in this movie just because he does such ridiculous things and makes it believable. You really can feel that he believes he's a vampire and, you know, he, he really thinks that Alva should find that file and he really believes that, you know... Once, once she finds that file, it's too late. You know, he he really believes that if, w when he's trying to assault Alva, that if she shoots him with the gun that that he gives her, that he won't die. And I think that that, at its core, is what acting is about. Okay. Interesting uh, ending there. Yes. So my question is. Um... In this movie, he he believes that he becomes a vampire after having uh, intercourse with a young black woman, and then later in the movie decides to assault his uh, Latino assistant. Can you please explain to me how he differs oh. from Time to Kill, where he um, does the same thing with an Ethiopian? Well, first of all, he's not Italian in this movie. That, that's your argument? So I rest my case. That's about it. Could you speak to, I suppose, the memeability of this film? Is that a pro or a con in your eyes? I would say that it is a pro. Um, I mean, there are a lot of quote-unquote bad movies that are just bad, and then there are some that are entertaining. And I would argue that this movie borders on the room level of being entertaining. Okay. And you think, does that reflect positively on Nicolas Cage? Is that what you're trying to imply? Or, because the room, no one thinks kindly on Tommy Wiseau. 
Yes and and no. Uh, I mean, I do think that this is Cage in his purest form. I think this movie encompasses all of his his strengths from some of his best performances. I think this is just it's Cage uncaged. They give him the freedom to do with the role what he will. Uh, I'm not sure if that was, you know, the director's intent. Uh, I think I remember reading that it was not the writer's intent. Uh, um, now, do you do you know who wrote or directed this off the top of your head? Not off the top of my head. I'd have to verify. Yeah, I, I don't recall it being anybody too notable. I might. For the uh, for the sake of time, I'd like to make a suggestion. For um, each cage fighter on the stand, I'd like to suggest two questions aloud from other cage fighters and then one from the cage lord or more if he so chooses, but just for the sake of time so we can get through all these movies. Absolutely. Absolutely. Then let's uh, progress to, to cool. yours then, my friend. What What, what is my movie, everybody? <laughs> Wild at heart. What do you guys want to know, I guess? Ask me anything. I'm, I'm the expert, right? An so, interesting start. Is this? Um, I, I have a question for you, my friend, my good friend. Good. I, I wanted a question from you. Yes. Not that it matters. Yeah. Well, first of all, nothing matters. I think we all know that. But uh, sure, I'll take that. I want you to tell me whether this movie actually has a plot, <laughs> and if it does, is it not just a a fuck you? It is a movie, I think, with a very simple plot expressed in an artistic way in order for you to have your own experience with it separate from everyone else. It is expressed through trauma, symbolism. There are scenes of fire. I see Steve smiling because he was the one who enlightened me to that. But uh, I, I'm totally going with that. I definitely think that it's a simple story with um, artistic elements to kind of trip you up. I don't think it. I don't think it is a middle finger, Matt. I think it's also representative of the time period when people just wanted to, uh, you know, they wanted to be punk rock. They wanted to be metal. They wanted to leave the '80s behind and, and see what was next in the '90s. It's actually it was it was a very relevant film for the time, and it also allowed David Lynch to just be David Lynch and do some weird and wild and crazy things. So, no, no, I don't think that the plot is necessarily easy to grasp. Maybe with a with one viewing, but it's it's not, it's not uh, uh, so um, out there that there isn't one. Now you said this was a rather prestigious movie, right? Yes. Well, it depends on the critic, but yes. Oh, so it was more divisive. Can you can you speak to that? Well, uh, it did win, like I said, the Palme d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival, and it did uh, win an Oscar, one of the actresses. But I will admit that Roger Ebert um, expressed that he did not think that it should have won, and he did not care for the film. I agree. But... That being said, Roger Ebert, we know that he hasn't always opinion of films hasn't always been the consensus. So Fair. 
and I do so, respect I do respect his criticism, by the way. So, but so you would say you view it in a positive light then? To just to be clear, yes, I do. I think it's one of those films that Roger Ebert just um, it was out of his out of his element at that time because of how kind of uh, ahead of its time it was. So if you take, for example, well, there's another film, Cotton Club, which we all agree is a, a very difficult film to watch for us now. I believe Roger Ebert loved it. He gave it high praise. It was a Francis Ford Coppola film. And I mean, now I know there's a new revival to try to, to bring it back with new footage, but nobody's really heard of it. Nobody's seen it. It's not as lasting. It's a musical, by the way. I don't know if you've seen it, uh, Cage Lord Zack. Right, right. But it was meant to have this lasting appeal like, you know, Grease or something like that, you know, with, with the musical elements. And the fact remains that it just didn't have that appeal, that legacy. Fair. Okay. And now well, on to the next uh, film. Lord, do you think um, do you think that it's uh, fair to um, to let him just pretend like he knows exactly what Roger Ebert thinks and... Uh, I mean, Roger Ebert isn't here to defend himself. So that's true. That's true. That is a very good point. I do have one final question for uh, Reese in terms of this movie. Is it going to be about racism or sexual assault or something like that? Quite possible. Well, are you afraid? Why yeah. are, you, why are you afraid? <laughs> are you scared? Are you unable to answer the question? Yes, no, I'm, no, I'm sorry. sorry. Um, I, it's actually about the pacing of the movie. Um, do you believe that um, the extreme climax within the first five minutes of the movie, where he brutally murdered a black man, was the... I'm done! <laughs> I'm done! Was the entire highlight of the movie. Um, and do you agree that it was akin to basically a uh, drug addiction, where the entire movie began with almost a high dosage of some sort of drug, and then a repeated, um, how can I say, um, maintaining of that high throughout the movie, where you never quite hit that peak, and then as you slowly come down, you end up with these small fire-induced peaks with the with the. Um, Responding to Cage Fighter Steve, uh, Your Honor, Cage Lord Zach. Um, yes. Cage Fighter Steve has this tendency where he'll say something completely out of left field that is not grounded in any kind of reality that I know. But well, then, does, that, does the movie sounds like you're challenging my integrity here? It does. It does. Okay. Okay. Listen. Yes, the movie does start with a scene where Nicolas Cage kills an assailant who is trying to kill him first. Um, I'm this, fairly uh, certain he completely caved in his head. Oh God! With his with his fist. With his fist. But That's your honor, so your honor, your honor, this man had a knife and had already tried to thrust it at Nicolas Cage. He had been hired by his girlfriend's mom. And that's what starts this entire film. This this crazy plot, right? Begins with, with the sequence. And in defense, he he kills this guy. And the character as as we is is established early on that he's a criminal and he's on parole and he can't go back to jail. But um Really, it's in defense, and I think that the racial part of it is completely irrelevant. There, there is no, it doesn't mean anything at all. Uh, oh, okay, cool. Two uh, 
semi-problematic movies. Who's next to tell me about how their movie is problematic? <laughs> Cage. Cage Fighter Zach, I, I would like to uh, pose a question to uh, to Cage Fighter Reese. Sure. If, if I may. So, um, it's well known that uh, the second season of David Lynch's... Uh, Arguably his most famous work, uh, Twin Peaks, he only directed the first few episodes of the second season because he actually wanted to direct Wild at Heart. What do you have to say about Wild at Heart potentially harming the quality of Twin Peaks and... Are you trying to win the cage fight by packing the court with David Lynch fans? Well, I'm absolutely trying to win this fight by appealing to David Lynch fans because he's a tremendously well-known filmmaker. Uh, so I, I can't deny that. Now, as far as the uh, as far as Lynch leaving filming Twin Peaks and then the I guess subsequent lessening of quality of season two i can't really speak to that because i'll be honest i started to watch twin peaks and then i was uh, i was sidetracked and i i can't it's one of those shows where i can't just watch an episode and then come back you know weeks later watch another episode i it's one of those i think kind of binge worthy shows um but i have watched other lynch movies and his short films so i definitely do have a grasp so i can't really i can't really say i'll just be honest you know i don't know but i think that he made the right decision to get with Cage and make this movie. It's definitely a fan favorite. If you talk to people who are fans of Nicolas Cage, they've all seen Wild at Heart um, and and Lynch fans as well. So, okay. yeah, right. let's really move all on to the, to the next uh, film. All right, Steve, you're up. Well, oh, we got to ask the questions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We got to ask the tough if nobody questions has any, If nobody has any questions, I mean, I understand it's <laughs> very difficult to come up to anything to challenge me with. Okay, I'll start. You said your movie transcends time. Yes. Yeah. Did you mean this in like a, a, a Matthew McConaughey kind of time is a flat circle sense? Or was that a literal or was that a... a a misshot metaphor. Um, it's it's metaphorical in some ways. So the uh, the title Amos and Andrew actually comes from an early 1930s, from a 1940s. Deeply um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Amos and Andy, um, and then it follows basically that same um, ideology throughout the movie, and that uh, that ideology still exists in uh, our modern culture as well. How is that a good thing? It's not that it's a good thing. It's that this movie is is very relevant throughout time, and it's a conversation that we can continue to have. Uh, uh, can, I, right. can I can I help him just a little bit? Yeah. Uh, I won't allow that. I will only allow questions. Quite frankly. Alrighty, understand. I, I want solely the the cage fighter to uh, to help me out here. Okay. Me a work I, picture. I I think I have a question for cage fighter Steve, if I may. Please. In Amos and Andrew, uh, there is a police officer uh, who not only shoots at an innocent black man. Uh, Jesus Christ, guys. That is inside his home, uh, it, I believe enjoying a, a nice book, but he also puts on blackface. Mm -hmm. Oh, good God. Mm -hmm. um, Cage Fighter Steve, uh, by supporting this movie, are you saying that uh, you are okay with blackface 
So the um, the uh, officer you're speaking of is uh, Donnie, who is um, very clearly throughout the movie reprimanded for his poor decision making. He um, he does not actually donate in terms of blackface, but it is um, a for a night up because he is an ignorant idiot. Um, and that, even by the other ignorant idiots in the community, is very well pointed out throughout the film. Um, thus bringing light to the fact that people don't understand what's wrong with their own ignorance. What a funny joke. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be hard to come back from this one, man. <laughs> I think you'd mentioned before that this movie, kind of like what Sean was saying, is a mix of serious social issues mm -hmm. with satire. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you'd mentioned that. It's it's meant to be funny. And actually, when I watched it, I, I thought that it was one of the funniest movies I'd seen up to a point. Mm -hmm. But, um, of course, when you make a funny, uh, socially sensitive movie... That, like you said, I agree too. I think that it's even more relevant today with some of the of the events that occur in this film. But um, do you do you really think that this movie balances that well, the um, silly satirical with the sensitive social issues, to to create something that doesn't offend in ways that it doesn't mean to, and isn't just something that is kind of tone deaf. So I think actually they do a good job of overplaying the comical and the ridiculous aspects. And I think actually Nick Cage himself pays a huge role in that because of the ridiculousness and the, um, the way that him as an actor is never really taken fully seriously. It actually kind of helps to balance some of the what would otherwise be too extreme issues that are brought up in the movie. So yes, to answer so your question, do you I do believe... Because I, I think that they that it, 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 it brings it's a movie that even if you watch today is still as relevant. Some of the, a lot of the movies that we've watched, a lot of um, a lot of them are too dated to really be relevant um, today. But I believe this movie still holds relevance in this year. But that's not necessarily a positive. Uh, all right. I have one more question, if, if I may. Yeah, let's finish this off with one more question. So, there's a scene in the movie where Cage's character, who is a criminal who is allowed out of prison in order to cover up this shooting of an unarmed black man, attempted. Uh, and there is a girl who Cage proceeds to hit on, and then he says that, or then she says that she is only 17, and he proceeds to hit on her harder. Does this movie add to the QAnon conspiracy theory? And did this movie... <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> did this I'm movie... I'm a here. ...lead to <laughs> Sam Jackson's no, we're, we're love of We're done, we're done. <laughs> um... Jesus Christ, uh, doesn't really seem like you're going to come back from this one. Uh, <laughs> this sounds pretty unwatchable. <laughs> great. Great defense. Great talk, guys. Good Woo! conversation. All right, next one. All right. 
So why do you think yours is the, the best? Why do you well, think in my opening statement, Your Honor, and, and may I add, you look lovely this evening. Thank um, you. You're, you are so welcome. Um, in, in my opening statement, I, I laid out for you that this is really the only movie, uh, and this is a perfect opportunity for you because you haven't seen any of them. You've been handed all of these choices, and yes, each of these movies we've heard about tonight have had some very good moments of, of Nicolas Cage and his development. What we love about Nicolas Cage, yes, but none of them encompass all of those parts so wholly as Raising Arizona. We don't, we don't get to see Nicolas Cage from beginning to end as um, a stand-up character that might have some flaws, but we're rooting for him from beginning to end. And we also get to see an array of diverse and hilarious side characters. Our time isn't wasted with clunky dialogue and... Um, things that make us feel uncomfortable for watching. Uh, there's not a lot of that. This movie's kind of very light-hearted, and it sticks with you in a good way. And that's why I think, in my opening statement, I also said I'm not worried about this one. I've got it in the bag. This is easily the best movie, nominated for two Academy Awards. Oh, uh, which ones? For... Um, best actor and writer for Nick Cage. Okay. This sounds like a very positive experience. I'm, I'm feeling your vibe. All right. Anybody hey, else? Man. Any questions? Yeah, I'd like to ask a question, please. Go ahead. I do think that you made kind of a, an interesting argument earlier where you said this is the only safe choice because of uh, the directors and also the general, I'd say, reach. That being said, we know that Nicolas Cage was restricted in his role as far as how he approached this character and yes. the kinds of things he wanted to do on set the coen brothers would very quickly rein him in mm -hmm. do you think that that helped this movie or hurt it because i feel like um, a large part of nick cage's appeal um is when nick cage is, is unleashed that's a fair point yes that's a fair point but also a lot of the times in those movies where Nicolas Cage is unleashed, the movie quickly fades into obscurity. Um, there aren't a lot of long-lasting Cage films out there. You know, when you talk to people, hey, you want? do you like Nicolas Cage? They're like, ah, I don't know. I, uh, I like Raising Arizona and uh, like, uh, like maybe uh, The Rock. Or like, um, you know, some people like National Treasure because it's watchable, you know. <laughs> if you go on the street and ask somebody about a Cage film and don't give them any of these films, my movie will probably be, probably be the only one anybody really knows, with maybe the exception of Wild at Heart. Yeah. Okay, fair. I mean, it is the one I own, so... Right. Mm. It's, it's, it's right there waiting for you. <laughs> yeah. Understood. Steve, uh, yes, I think uh, that, Steve, I believe you have a question. Yeah. Um, so you stated that this is your, the, you know, this is the best movie and you think this is a fantastic movie. Yes, does sir, that, that's correct. Does that mean that you condone 
kidnapping children, the abduction of children from their homes. Um, I'm sorry. This. Well, uh, sorry. What? So, um, not to ruin anything for you, but the movie does begin with um, quintuplets, four babies. And uh, basically, uh, Nicolas Cage, our hero, is a convict. He's really not allowed to have any babies. But they, he and his partner, he steals the baby the best diapers. He, he leaves the baby with, like, some really responsible babysitters that he trusts. <laughs> also criminals. Yes. Oh, yes, everybody's a criminal. That's another great thing about this movie. Everybody Well, except is for his girlfriend, who is supposed to be an officer of the law, who is clearly shirking her duties by condoning hey, and assisting in illegal activity. Fuck the Bring police. Bring her down. I will, I will accept that as an argument. Yeah. Well, or as well, defense, I, rather. Yeah, well, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Your Honor. Yeah. I appreciate that. All right. Anything else to, to add, anyone? Or I have a question that I'd like to ask. Please. So two of the movies that we've discussed, Wild at Heart and Raising Arizona, one is about Cage, a uh, criminal, traveling with his love interest. Uh, how would you respond to saying that Raising Arizona is just a direct-to-DVD sequel of Wild at Heart? <laughs> Oh, interesting. I think, interesting thought. I can see how you, I can see how you could get there, sure. Um, but I don't think that that there, that really holds any weight. I don't think. I think if you tried to pour water into that, it would just leak out all over the ground. Um, I appreciate the imagery. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I'd like to paint a picture. Yes. Um, well, uh, you know, honestly, and if I may just add to that, just something on the end. Um, I think Wild at Heart much more seem to me seems much more like David Lynch finally got what to do what he really wanted to do with Twin Peaks. There's a lot of similarities in the first season of Twin Peaks and in Wild at Heart. It almost feels like this movie exists in the same universe in ways. And and that's cool cuz I love David Lynch and and he's almost built like this universe or something but I mean, don't don't come at me with that kind of stuff when that's hypocritical. All right. Okay, fair. <laughs> well, I'm certainly I mean, there's I'm pretty much split in 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 three directions right now. Sorry, Steve. Oh, um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and Kevin isn't even hasn't even gone yet. Yes. Yeah. So, so please. Uh, uh, Kevin, nice the occasion, my friend. Yeah. Well, uh, what do you got? Well, uh, I'll start with I have no idea what your movie is about. Uh, you have described uh, some some very uh, in, in very vague terms uh, a lot of different things that it could be, uh, but I, I don't really have a very concrete vision of anything inside the movie at all. So uh, I would I, I wasn't going to give you any cheesy lines. I, I I'm I, I'm opening you up to I, I want to give you a lot of questions. So here you go. Here's your opportunity. <laughs> so what is it about? There's my first one. All right. I guess I get another round. Um, it is. Uh, it is about um, this couple that uh, 
the guy is he gets really busy and with his job and uh, his his uh, friend that he hasn't seen in a long time happens to be Nick Cage and uh, as soon as Nick Cage uh, comes back into his life um, he immediately uh, it does not take very long he steals his wife basically and starts uh, having an affair with her Um, and then when she starts to get cold feet about it he gets very uh, aggressive about it, and that's when I referred to uh, rape because he pretty much rapes her eventually. And then, Ooh, uh, great, all right. Um, get, can I finish? I'm sorry, yes, please. I haven't finished the answer. Um, so anyway, so after that, I mean, I'm pretty far. I'm getting pretty far. So don't, so uh, don't get worried. Um, so while this is going on and things are getting a little dicey uh, with the romance, um, husband is kind of catching on to what's going on, and uh, he he starts to uh, drink more. He's, it sort of becomes an alcoholic a bit, and he just gets unstable. Um, but he's somewhat holding it together, and she wants to come back into his life and. Um, wants to uh, get things meshed back together and and try to work it out. So uh, they start to try to do that, and um, Nick Cage's character, he can't hold himself back. He's still in love, so when they are, those two are trying to uh, work things out, they go on a little mini vacation, and uh, Nick Cage's character shows up and uh, kind of... Uh, kind of gets uh, the husband off of his rocker again and uh, he just completely loses his mind and ends up uh, drowning himself in the end um, they the actually case. this would be the husband the husband ends up dr- drowning himself and they actually try to save him but he doesn't want to be saved so um, he does that and then then the two um, Nick Cage's character and the wife uh widow now they end up getting very depressed and uh, cannot handle what happened um, because it just wasn't the way they wanted it to be because they could only see they, they could only see what they wanted uh, selfishly um, didn't go about it in the right way and they ended up causing something that uh, they couldn't forgive themselves for so in, in the end uh Nick Cage's character, uh, it, he ended up not going to work, not paying his bills and s- stuff, and then apparently w- was in with the wrong crowd, and um, and some he owed somebody money, and that somebody wasn't going to let it slide, so ends up uh, pulling up in a car and uh, goes to shoot him, but at that point in time, uh, the widow was with Nick Cage's character and actually steps in front of the bullet and uh took the bullet because i don't think she really cared she didn't really want to live anymore so this sounds like uh, a very uh bleak watch especially compared to the to the other three films that i'm considering um weak weak bleak oh uh, it sounds a, a bit down it sounds rather depressing do you think this is an entertaining watch 
I think the I think um, it is entertaining in a in a way of uh, it. Like I said uh, at the beginning, that it just kind of captures your emotions and and kind of takes hold and and throws them all over. And so, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's sort of makes you feel a little bit deep, but uh, at the same time. Nick Cage's character is pretty outrageous in the things that he does in the, in in the movie, and it's very. A lot of things just remind you of of other movies that he's been in. A lot of things uh, Sean said about uh, Vampire's Kiss uh, really reminded me of this movie, as far as um, he was avoiding somebody that he owed money to. Uh, he was in a romance that he just. He always seems to. Uh, be very controlling in that sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, just a lot of ways that he, in in, in a little bit of a vague um, explanation, they sound very similar. Does anyone have any other questions to throw at this? Uh, Cage Lord, I'd like to object. Uh, I'd, I'd like uh, my film to not be lumped in with uh, Zandali. Okay, sure. Then the last comment was stricken from the record. Thank you. Anyone else have anything to uh, to ask or, or poke or explain? What part of this um, makes you think that this film contends for the best film of this season? Well, this is um, probably the most like real life of any of these films. Um, mm. All of the other films... I mean, th these things happen all the time. Now, they don't happen usually. I, I wouldn't say they happen to the same exact characters so much. But, I mean, these are this, this is just showing you uh, life is in all sunshine and rainbows. So, <laughs> May I ask one um, final question? It, it teaches a good lesson. Uh, one final question. Do you think this is a good movie? Do I think it's a good movie? Um, cool. All right. For, um, <laughs> I would say I would say it depends on the audience. For adults, yes. <laughs> All right. That was, uh, well, it's rated okay. R. It's rated R. <laughs> yes, I, I got it. Um, All right. So, uh, so what should happen uh, now? I believe I take a brief uh, recess to deliberate. That's correct. That's correct. All right. And, uh, yeah. So we'll just ask you to leave the call and we'll send you a message or you can send us a message when you think that you've found your winner. Absolutely. And we'll call you back. Okay. I will return shortly. Thank you, sir. Bye for now. Bye. Wow, guys. Wow. Well, amen, Lord. Amen, Lord. Thanks for your help. Yes. Praise him, praise him. Yeah. This you guys was, had me so uh, nervous. That's pretty good. I'm I'm pretty, pretty kind of confused. I feel like I'm I'm a little mm -hmm. concerned that uh things didn't work out like I had hoped. <laughs> yeah, dude, I, I think I think that totally blew up in your face in the best way. My my goal was to discredit all of you guys and appeal to a sense of morality, but uh, it did not go very well. No, it did not. But that was pretty sick. 
<laughs> hey, do we have any sponsors tonight, fellas? Yeah. Uh, our sponsor tonight is uh, Shark Shark Condoms. Are they made from shark, want... or are they they're for sharks? <laughs> By sharks yes. for sharks. We got we got sharpies. Yeah. If you need to take a break from your regular life, just pop, pop a sharpie. Uh, Sharp sharpie. It helps you escape the voices. That's a great commercial. Yeah, and I I think they should pick us up. Do we want to talk about any of our upcoming topics? Uh, Things that are upcoming in the next few months. What do we have upcoming? Yeah, yeah, guys. We got a lot of stuff coming up. Uh, you know, um, season three Halloween. is in the works, of course. Are, are we talking that that far? We could talk about Halloween. I don't know if you guys are all aware. Uh, I would actually like to try to do a Halloween special episode where we watch the original Wicker Man and oh, Nick yeah. Cage's Wicker Man. And we compare oh, the yeah. two. And just just talk about it. It doesn't have to yeah. be quite as in depth as our other versus episodes, but this could be a totally just chill, relaxed um, Halloween themed episode. And Kevin, you're you're uh, you're welcome to join us as well if you have time. But that's something I'd like to Thank do you. pretty soon. We'd have to get this in the bag probably next week, end of next week. So okay. let me know. I know on okay. my end, I'm still working out the uh, logistics for it, but uh, I'm hoping to um, start another sub-series called uh, Kitty Cage. Um, Kitty Cage. Where we take right. a lot of the animated films of Cage, um, and uh, we're still kind of working out the logistics of how we're going to battle them in more of a uh, PG setting. Um, but our hope is to start that around Christmas time with the uh, first animated film that Cage starred in, A Christmas Carol. So uh, hopefully by then we'll have everything worked out and uh, look forward to that come Christmas time. And then we can do our, our sub sub series, Kitty Cage Plays, where we p- play uh, a live stream of uh, The Ant Bully for Nintendo GameCube. Wow, and we have we have little kids playing it. Yeah, we get their reactions. Mm-hmm. Wow, so much so much fun to be had. And uh, Cage Lord Zach, have you have you decided? Uh, screw it. Hang on, my bow tie isn't right. I'll just take it off. <laughs> that's that's, um, that's yes. how that's so, how difficult the the decision was that you lost the tie. Um, yeah. Stressed out. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so uh, there was uh, a I, lot. I understand. To, I won. There you was a lot to that. consider. Um, many of these movies sounded deeply problematic, um, and it, it ultimately it came down to, um, <laughs> of course, yes. Well, it, it came down to to a choice of two. Quite frankly, uh, okay. you see, while I, I respected. Uh, the uh, well, quite frankly, uh, Amos and Andrew and Zandali both sound unwatchable. Um, I respected the description of the David Lynch movie, I really did, and I could see myself checking that out at some point. But what I was torn between was Raising Arizona and Vampire's Kiss. 
Now you Fair see, enough. Vampire's Kiss, the way it was described to me, seemed very memeable. It had good Cage freakouts. It had a lot of what you expect from Cage. Whereas Raising Arizona, he was up for an Oscar. It's an acclaimed Coen Brothers movie, so you get sincere good actor Cage. So it basically came down to a uh, a, a debate between what do you want from Nicolas Cage? Do you want uh, outrageous silliness, or do you want actual skilled actor sincerity? And considering that uh, you, uh, Sean, pitched yours as having a bit of both, I think I have to give it to Vampire's Kiss. Cage Lord Zach, I'd, I'd, I'd just like to thank you. Uh, I, I think... Uh, I don't think you'll be disappointed in, in your decision. Uh... I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited to check it out. I'm quite, again, I'm, I'm excited to check out all three of the ones that I was really down to. Um, but I will, I will be checking out Vampire's Kiss probably tomorrow. Wow. So then that means Vampire's Kiss is the winner and will be enshrined in our B Cage of Fame with last season's winner, Birdie. Wow. That is so amazing. Congratulations to Vampire's Kiss and all of the people credited and uncredited and even unaware that you were in it. Congratulations. <laughs> it is such an accomplishment. And also, Cage Lord Zach, we'd like to also extend an offer to you. Um, you did, of course, you said you would like to watch Vampire's Kiss. And in a later episode, we'd like to actually ask you to come back and give us a brief, just a, a brief opinion on what you thought of it yeah. and whether or not you felt that you made a mistake. our arguments, well, yeah, I guess, <laughs> whether you made a mistake. Yeah, that right. sounds lovely. I would absolutely. That would be wonderful. Thank you for for the opportunity. Certainly. And I um, they, yeah, I, I think they just took it off Amazon Prime too. Dope. <laughs> Perfect. We like to tie the hats. To well. dig. We're still waiting for that. Uh, It'll be back on there now. Um, so uh, once again, uh, my show is called A Cry for Help. That's a cry number four, help. Uh, we just dropped our October episode, our election year spooktacular, um, where uh, we, in fact, uh, in that episode, my partner records an entire audiobook of The Old Man in the Sea while huffing helium. So, uh, <laughs> so you can check that out. Um, you can also you can find it uh, wherever fine podcasts are sold. Um, or you can also check out my SoundCloud. I'm Thomas the Dank Engine. Um, <laughs> uh, and we shared, uh, I believe, all of the episodes and the audiobook there, as well as uh, some of my personal side projects where I read Jane Eyre over an electro beat. Interesting. <laughs> Pretty tight. I nice. dig it. I dig it. Thank Pretty you. Um, would you want to talk about at all a little bit of the screenplay that you wrote? That yes. we had discussed before. Yes, it is. It's more than a screenplay, quite frankly. We have shot yeah. it. Um, oh, we were man. about 80, maybe 90% uh, completed with shooting uh, Prosperity Creek, my first feature film, uh, when uh, the pandemic hit and made it impossible for us as such a micro budget thing to safely uh, complete an ending. So uh, I patched it up with some little doodle storyboards. Uh, and me, uh, Tarantino style, explaining what would have happened if I had money, and uh, we uh, we sent it off to several festivals. We've been uh, very successful so far. We actually just found out we got into Horrors for You in uh, London, so that's cool. 
And uh, just last month, we had our premiere at a drive-in in Canada. No kidding. Yes. That's awesome. So, wow. so check that out. Uh, uh, Prosperity Creek uh, coming eventually. Um, mm-hmm. Unfinished cut currently going around festivals. That's great. Yeah, I'm oh, super excited about, to see Sorry, that. I didn't say what it's about. It's about how the government is secretly lizard people. <laughs> I didn't know that was a secret. Um, that's an actual thing that real people believe, and I think that's very funny. So I wrote uh, a script around that about um, a, a young woman uncovering uh, in this affluent DC suburb that they are in fact yeah. uh, attempted. They are uh, shape-shifting lizards who are attempting to uh, overthrow the United States government. Was it hard to get Hillary Clinton for the film? <laughs> Not going down that road, man. <laughs> Oh, Shawnee, Shawnee, Shawnee. Yeah, I, I'm super excited to the see that when we can. He can still change his mind. <laughs> and uh, I also wanted to mention that we had met actually on a, a public access show. Uh, yes. Monster, Monster Madhouse is what it's called. I was in costume as the gorilla, and uh, I always enjoyed going to those shoots just for the sheer fact of meeting other interesting creative people. Yes. And Zach, Zach happened to be one of those people, and he had talked about this um, the script that he'd, I think, had actually completed at that time. Yes, I believe and, uh, I would have just finished the the script. Yeah, and and I just thought that was so cool, and we connected, and it's just been it's been a real pleasure having you here on our podcast. It has podcast. been wonderful to know you, my friend. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, and you know, I I do get kind of nervous with uh, some of the topics we talk about. I do want people to understand that this is a comedy podcast. We want everyone to have fun. There's no, um, there's no sense of the, the themes that we talk about. That's just Nick Cage. That's these are the things that we experience in his films, and unfortunately, we got to throw that out there. Understood. So, Understood. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> I like how you have to disclaimer just because yeah, of me. No, no, it makes me feel proud. If you go back and listen to, if you go back and listen to some of our podcasts, it's just a lot of it is us just kind of shaking our heads, trying to to get through (laughs) some of these movies. Time to Kill, you know, like you said, the the Ethiopian that was in Ethiopia love story was set in Ethiopia, and it's just oh yikes, gosh, we got to talk about these things because uh, they are stepping stones to the more popular and well known films that Nick Cage eventually does. Yeah. But, Generally, uh, don't rape Ethiopians. Right. Yeah. There's, there's just yeah. a lot of rape in Cage's early films. It's it's really surprising. If we can make I it through, I did not consider that so much. If we it we, we so cannot much. make it through an episode, actually, almost without talking about yeah. rape or sexual assault right. of some sort. <laughs> And it yeah. sounds like I, like murder, crime, like just general yeah. felony, very unfunny, yeah. bleak themes are, yeah. are brought up. Yeah. So that's uh, props that was, to you that on was the, the, the 80s that. and the uh, early 90s for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there you go. So, well, thanks again, well, everybody. This was our thank first. Thank you very much uh, for having me. It has been an honor. Thanks. Yeah, this is our first real live stream, our first real um, cage fight. So I think it's been a success. We got Vampire's Kiss to win. Not wild at heart. I'm a little broken up, but I'll admit I like Vampire's Kiss too, so I can live with it. Oh, well. Zandalee didn't win. Too bad, Kevin. But, but thanks for trying. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> 
And uh, yeah, to all you out there who tune in, thank you so much. This is Late Night Cage Fight, and uh, check us out at nickcagefight.com. Listen to our podcast, um, support us however you can, and we got more stuff coming. So yeah, just stay in the loop, and we'll keep feeding you on our Facebook page. And uh, take care.